just when you think you're losing your mind, you're probably actually regaining it. I don't know about you, but one of the hardest movies for me to watch, even though it was absolutely fabulous, was The Wolf of Wall Street. I've seen it a couple of times, and both times it made me very uneasy, probably because the blatant reality of what drug addiction and narcissism looks like. Today, I have an amazing guest. Her name is Dr. Nay. You might know her as the real-life ex-wife of Jordan, the Wolf of Wall Street. She's going to share with you her tumultuous journey through her marriage to the Wolf of Wall Street and beyond, her healing journey and stepping into her higher purpose, becoming a doctor in psychology. But before we get started, make sure that you are registered for 10X Rapid Recovery Masterclass. So you want to make sure to get in because the doors will not open for at least another four months. Now, on to the show. You're listening to The Cosmic Valkyrie. I'm your host, Lynn Louise. My Dharma is to help you through rapid recovery from past trauma. My rapid recovery method will call your voice back home so you can reconnect with your inner wisdom and trust, moving you from observer to creator and manifesting the life that you've always desired. I combined ancient healing and wisdom with subconscious reprogramming to help you ascend and align with your higher purpose. You will integrate with your cosmic consciousness to create the expansion and success you came to earth to experience. I'm honored you're here. Before we get started, let me state my standard disclaimer that all the answers on this podcast and in general are for informational and educational purposes only and in no way a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. Today is another Great Warrior Wednesday. I'm super excited about this interview. I first heard about Dr. Nay from Megan Judge on Judging Megan podcast. Her story was so amazing to me, but I saw the relationship that her story has with a number of my listeners. So I wanted to bring her on just to share a little bit about her journey and her wellness and how she stepped into her higher purpose share a little bit about what she does. So Dr. Nay, please tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, who you serve. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I love having these sort of tea conversations. I think they're very important. And I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. And I also have my doctorate in somatic psychotherapy, which is just a very fancy word for meaning the mind-body connection. When I'm in therapy, of course, it's we're talking and we're using language, but you see even me as I'm gesturing, I'm always reading people's hands, their eyes. So the body is really in session with us because the body keeps the score and the ego and the mind have too many defenses. <laughs> so it's another portal for healing. And I'm a 53-year-old woman and I love my work. First, I want to say I absolutely love that you do the mind and body connection because one of my favorite books of all times that I always tell clients about is The Body Keeps Score. Yes. Intense. It is a dense read, but it is so valuable. 
So it's I so valuable. Wanna... Yeah, yeah, it's so valuable because as we know, I mean, trauma really lives in the body. And, and if you think about it, let's say you're home, right? And something drops in your home. What do you do? You tense up, your muscles get tense. So we carry it in our bodies, in our nervous system, in our heart, in our stomach. It's super important. We have to treat the whole person. Right. I know from personal experience, keeping a lot of those emotions locked down for decades resulted in emergency surgery. So it's scientifically proven that it creates chronic illness. But let's dive in to your personal story. A little bit about you being married to a narcissistic husband and then that turning point of when you knew life had to change. Sure. So yeah, I was raised in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. I'm a Brooklyn girl uh, by a single mother and I have a brother and life in Brooklyn in the seventies was awesome. Sorry for you, those of you who missed it, but it was great. And my mother was very interested in psychology. And so she left my father when we were six and she said, we're going to be a family with or without him. And that was true. And she would ask me every night around the dinner table, is it nature or nurture that shapes us? And I'd be like, mom, I'm 10. But she planted these beautiful seeds about psychology. She was reading Carl Jung. It was a very magical time, a very simple time in my life. And then being raised by a single mom, uh, money and financial resources were scarce. And so I actually went to school for a year, but nobody was going to support me. So then I was modeling in New York City. I was going into the city and going into the Hamptons. And then as shown in the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street, I happened to go to a party at my ex-husband's home and we meet. I had no idea that he liked me because he was married. So why would I think that a married man would be interested in me? I was 22. I didn't understand that then. And he was a good love bomber. It's like speed dating, flowers and fancy clothes and taking me here and taking me there and so much intensity and love and passion. And it's almost was too quick for me to really even know what was happening. And before I knew it, I was engaged. You know, it's really interesting that you say that. I don't know much about narcissism and I haven't had any exposure to that in my own personal life, but it seems, and I've heard this and you can verify it, that narcissistic people, they're very influential. Like they're very persuasive. Oh yeah. They're very charismatic. And you know, I mean, just look at it. James Bond is the quintessential narcissist, right? He's suave. He's cool. He's sexy. He knows all the right things to say, but yet he has a whole nother side that a lot of people don't see. And that's what happens. They're charismatic, amazing leaders. A lot of them. And the next thing you know, you're engaged to this person. You hadn't had the time. And at that age, let's admit it, at 22, we basically know nothing. And it's so easy. Most of us women at that age were making bad decisions in relationships anyway. But um, (laughs) so how long did it take you before you began to realize that he wasn't the man that you thought he was in this marriage? And how did his narcissism show up? Well, you have to remember, so this was 1989. So only clinical people were using the term narcissism. Nobody was throwing it around like they are today. And I had never been exposed to anybody like this. And again, he was from Queens. I was from Brooklyn. We got along very well, very smart man. And in the beginning, super charming. And so when I was with him, he started with the threats right away. And so you have to remember a person like that usually wants power and control because they were probably dominated in their childhood or humiliated in some way, maybe by their own trauma. And so they really need power and control. And 
he would say to me, if you're not going to marry me, I'm not going to date you. And I was like, what? And then I was like, okay, like, I guess this guy just really loves me. But back then I didn't know red flags. I mean, I think inside my body knew, cause I'd be like, oh boy, this seems scary. But my heart would push me forward. And then the next thing was, well, if we're going to get married, I'm not going to marry you unless you have children. And I was like, what? I'm 23. I really didn't want to have children so young because my parents got divorced so young. And I really wanted to wait till I was 30, but he had a different plan. And so my needs were just thrown out the window and it was just tons of threats and coercion to just get me to do whatever he wanted me to. At 22 and 23, I was no match for him. Not at all. And what kind of support system did you have? Like, did you have any friends or anyone that you could help facilitate? Yeah. You know, I mean, listen, I'm also a very strong person, personality. And so, yeah, I had my mother and my friends, but they were all clueless too. I mean, not my mother, but my friends were. And that's actually why I went to therapy for the first time was because my ex-husband had some sort of surgery and he had taken too many prescription pills and he had to go to rehab for the weekend. And I was pregnant actually with my daughter. And so I went to his therapist because he had a therapist when he was a child, a very lovely man. And I went there and I was like, I don't know what to do. I mean, the guy had back pain. He took pills. I'm pregnant. Like, what do I do? And he said to me, Nadine, when Jordan works, he's like a symphony. When he doesn't, he's a natural disaster. It's like, oh, shit. I can't imagine. So your first introduction into therapy was actually during your marriage. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then then I actually went and got my own therapist. What was finally the turning point where you were like, this, I'm over this. I got to get out. A lot of my listeners are very strong, independent, free-thinking women, but sometimes find ourselves in those compromising positions and go, how the hell is this going to happen? How am I going to make this work? My problem during my marriage was Jordan's drug addiction. His drug addiction was through the roof. And that was very scary for me because, of course, I had two children and I would argue with him about it and nothing I could do would change him. And so it was extraordinarily frustrating for me. And I was scared because he was a strong personality and a very bad temper when I confronted him. And that's a really important thing to understand is that somebody with a self-absorbed nature, when you try to set boundaries or try to assert yourself, that's when they'll usually get extraordinarily defensive and attack. So even though I was strong, he was, I was no match for him. Right away, I knew I was in trouble, but Again, I think I was grandiose and thinking I could handle it, which was my own bullshit to deal with. And then I would say five years in, I got pregnant for the second time. And I just remember thinking, I've got to get out of this. And Jordan and I went to a counselor together and he didn't come back the second time. And the counselor looked at me and she said, if you don't leave this man, you're going to get breast cancer. And those words snapped me because I didn't feel so physically and emotionally safe with him. But cancer sounded worse. And I guess it was the timing, the way she said it. She was matter of fact. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to do an intervention. And I did an intervention on him and he went to rehab. I love that you bring the cancer up because I was having a conversation with a woman yesterday. She was living in stress, anxiety. She was just overwhelmed and it created cancer. And a lot of people don't realize the effects that fear, anxiety, stress, fight or flight, those continual toxins and hormones that are released over and over on a daily basis, what they're capable of. 
And I've often told my clients the physical ramifications of not changing are astronomical when it comes to your physical health. And this is the only body we have. We got to take care of it. I want to be around as long as I possibly can. So once you left him, did you finish your degree? Yeah. So I just want to um, go back to the cancer part. What was happening in my first marriage is my body was an added, at an allostatic stress load, meaning because of all of the stress, I, w- I was at a load that I couldn't handle anymore. Plus I had low vitamin D and I don't methylate estrogen well. So I did get breast cancer 10 years later. I was fine and I was able to get a double mastectomy and it was all fine. It was a combination of things, of course, a perfect storm of that. And so Jordan did go to rehab and he came back, but to get him to rehab, it was very hard. And he, we had a horrible scene where he kicked me down the stairs. And so when he came back from rehab, what really upset me was that, yes, he was sober. And one night I said to him, you know, that was really hard. And he said, oh, it was nothing. And that was the moment for me. That was my defining moment because it was hard enough what I went through, but the fact that he didn't validate my experience, then my heart closed. My heart was forever closed and then he got arrested. So I was very lucky because he was now the government's problem. He had to wear an ankle bracelet and I knew I was safe because he couldn't hurt me. I actually had a maternity company at the time. And a year later, a year and a half later, I met my current husband of 22 years, John Macaluso. I said, that's it to my kids. We're out of here. We're going to move to California because I didn't want my two young children, Chandler and Carter, six and four then, to deal with Jordan's legacy. And Jordan, I think at that point anyway, was in jail. So our judge let me leave and I moved to California. With narcissistic people, I know they have that control issue. Do they have emotional attachments? Like, did he have a problem with you taking the children? Like once you're out of their perimeter, do they kind of just start focusing on something else? After he, he went to jail for six months and then I moved to California because the judge allowed me to go to California. Two years later, he did come out to California to be with his kids. So he wasn't my problem anymore. I mean, we actually ended up developing a decent relationship. There's different levels of narcissism. And I think he definitely could have an emotional attachment. But luckily, he had so many other things going on with the FBI and jail. Like, I think I was the last thing on his brain, probably. I know he was upset that we weren't a family anymore. But those were the repercussions of what he did. Why I really loved having you share your story today is because a lot of people can watch that movie and think that your life is so different in so many ways because of the wealth. But the reality is this happens to women of all economic states. I think it's really important for us to realize that money has nothing to do with happiness and security or anything like that. And that it can happen to anyone at any time without our knowing. Narcissistic people can be very persuasive and charming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Know when it's time to get out. Yeah, you you know, that's a very personal decision when when any person, whether a male or female, decides to get out of a trauma bond is what I would call that, a relationship where you get abused and exploited by somebody that you really love and care for. And so my journey of healing has been very, you know, multidimensional. And no, money, of course, I mean, just look at Meghan Markle, right? She's in this castle and she said, don't believe the image. Don't believe the image. I mean, I felt like a prisoner in my home many days. Trauma and pain and being betrayed by somebody that you thought was going to love and protect you has no bounds. But you can get out. And there are so many more resources than when I was younger. And Jordan's money, because I I think I was raised by a single mom, 
I thought that would offer me some sort of safety and protection. And I did love him, but little did I know it was the most dangerous place to be. Right. Yeah. I get it. And, you know, I think we're in the same generation and the resources back then were like, we didn't have Google. We didn't have, no. we still had a phone no. attached to the wall for Christ's sake. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it's kind of crazy how I even got out of it, but something inside of me was just like, no, no more. And not just for me, but for my kids, you know, children can really inspire us to do things that we didn't think we'd be brave enough to do. My children are just wonderful. And my daughter's a therapist now. So it's like in the genes. I love and, it. And then what happened is I moved to California. We started our life over and it was great. And I decided to go back to school to be a therapist because I knew that therapy had saved me. So guess what, people? I went back at 39, got my master's, got my doctorate, got my 3,000 hours of you know licensure. And I love it. And there is, this is what I tell the women I work with. There is no too late. I no totally too. transitioned my life from corporate American executive at the age of 49. Right. You can do it at any age. Yes. Healing can begin at any age. Sure. And, and healing, like I said, healing isn't linear. You heal a little bit, you learn. But a very important point that I want to get across to your listeners is that when I was going through all of this with Jordan, you know, people were like, you're codependent, you're codependent. First of all, it's never the victim's fault. I mean, I had to own my part in it. Why was I so drawn to him? Why did I avoid the red flags? What was all that about? Certainly, I had to dig in and do that work. But ironically, what I found out is that narcissists, there's a very important personality test called the big five. And it measures neuroticism, extroversion, agreeableness, conscientiousness, openness. So through my research, I recognize that narcissists actually choose women that score, have very high traits in agreeableness and conscientiousness. And I scored off the charts. And that's innate temperament. That does nothing to do with nurture. So it's a very complex piece. So don't let anybody put you in a box. Mm, no. You know, really find an expert and figure out what's happening for you. So if it doesn't happen again. And we're all individuals. We ha all have different personalities, different types, different experiences, different childhoods. There's no one way. And I love that you say it's a process because there are so many layers to healing. I truly believe that our whole time on this earth is letting go, healing, evolving, becoming more powerful in who we are and stepping into that. Um, yes. But it's a lifelong process. I was living in my own struggling mindset for decades, every year you peel back more, you peel back yeah. more, but you feel better and better and it gets easier and easier. And you, it, does. it is a beautiful process every year that you look back and see the changes that you've made in your own life are definitely worth celebrating. They, re they really are. They really are. And, you know, I always sit, joke that the wolf was my Buddha because it's in our intimate relationships that we get a reflection of what we've fallen for. And so, you know, that relationship taught me a lot because it really forced me to dig deep and getting kicked down the stairs, having the FBI come to your house, then having your life made it into a movie because it was a terrible Greek tragedy the first time. And then having <laughs> it get made into a movie is a very humiliating yet humbling act. And again, I was worried about my kids. I didn't care really about the movie. It was fine. I knew my truth. It was what it was, but I was worried about my kids and they were fine with it. And that's really all I cared about. And I was saying, oh my God, is this going to affect my career as a therapist? Like, who's going to come to me? But ironically, and I don't tell that to my patients when I come in, hey, you know, I'm the Duchess right. of Wall Street, but uh, they love it. 
they're like, wait, you could go through that and do this. You've done it. It's relatable. Yeah, it's relatable. And, And so in a way, again, it was a gift in a crazy, weird, strange way. But, you know, when the movie came out, I was like, Nadine, you just have to surrender because this is bigger than you. When you can look back and not see the events as good or bad, but what did I learn from it? Like let go of them, mm-hmm. take away what you can and learn those lessons and move forward. We all came to earth to have relationships. It's who we are. Like we came to right. meet and mingle with people. I know that I have had very tumultuous relationships in my past, but you just like look at it and go, wow, look at everything that I learned and what I don't want to repeat and I'll pivot and do better the next time. So yes, yeah, yeah. I absolutely adore that you came on with us. How can my listeners find you? Okay, so they could uh, find me, just Google NadineMacaluso.com or on Instagram, I'm Dr. Nadine Macaluso. Awesome, and I'll include the link in my show notes. Great, thank you so much for having me on. And guys, guess what? Just when you think you're losing your mind, you're probably actually regaining it. Don't forget that, okay? Mm. All right, thank Thank you you so much, have a great day. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. If you love helping others, then please share this via social media with your friends and family. If you found value in it, they will too. Also, if you have questions, I'm here for you. You can email questions to thecosmicvalkyrie at gmail.com. I may even use one of your questions for future podcast episodes. And finally, I do have a personal request. I believe that we're all here to help each other heal, grow, and evolve. So if you would please leave a nice review on iTunes, I would be forever grateful and together we could transform more lives.